0: Start at the very beginning A sore throat, a cough, and woo And in no time at all there were One, two, three And one went on a plane Took it overseas
1: Overseas Overseas And that's how pandemics get started, you see Woe is me Woe is me Now we've got COVID-19 let COVID virus spread Isolate yourself at home See your friends online
0: instead That's a healthy way to do Do not
1: fear, but just stay here Time to all self-isolate Wash your hands, use lots of soap Don't go further than your gate Social life must stay online, keep your meters clear of me,
0: watch TV, drink lots of wine, that will kill COVID-19,
1: cough in your elbow, wash your hands with soap. Hey, we have back my special friend, Dan Kayo and today he chose the subject he want to talk about it. So I don't know if you guys um, saw the preview video. This one is our second episode with Dan Kyle. So he's going to refresh your memory. So Kyle, hello. (laughs) Look at his shirt, it's so cute.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness. Kyle, introduce Use the love of your life and then what you do for a living Yes. Yeah,
0: so those two those are illustrations of my two cats ash and erebus they're both beautiful black cats um and they're around here just chilling out but um yeah they're very sweet boys um but yeah so i'm dane kyle i'm a independent filmmaker out of charlotte north carolina usa and um yeah just glad to be back uh, glad to be talking to our dear kelly about these uh very scandalous very controversial topics that are sure to take the world by a storm that's why we have our trusty teacups with us in case we need to take a drink uh for all those tough diane sawyer-esque questions and in that spirit, I got to thinking about what would be a good topic of discussion that could take us to all kinds of very uh, tier-worthy places. And I thought about the kind of person that we were, um, all of us, but us two specifically. The kind of person that you were, pre-COVID and post-COVID. And I say that because, well, you know, technically the pandemic's still going on. The you know, um, the vaccines have gotten in such a place that a lot of businesses feel comfortable reopening and that restrictions are getting lifted and that kind of stuff. I was actually at a coffee place today that uh, they are still not seating people uh, inside Um, They and everybody still wears a mask inside there. Meanwhile, other places seem to be back to the way that they were. So it's very kind of Kind of an inconsistent rollout because people are still you know trying to do whatever they feel comfortable with which is perfectly fine. Um, so you, you know, live
1: in North Carolina right?
0: Yes. So North all
1: the business is open or not yet?
0: Yes they are open. The mask uh, mandate got lifted not too long ago uh, but each individual business it's kind of up to them as far as how much they want to Uh, reopen or how in what capacity and um
1: can you dine in inside
0: you can I mean you have been able to uh you know in some limited quantities and stuff and during the times when you could you know people they were sort of of the understanding that um you know that if they got it they got it but it was more so of just keeping the overall numbers down and you know if you can do it outside then do it outside um That was more like in the latter half of 2020, for sure. The first half, obviously, no way. Um, So, you know, slowly but surely, things kind of got a little bit closer to what people were experiencing. It was just trying to keep the gathering uh, numbers down. Um, Now, I uh, was never really like a go-out-all-that-much kind of person. Well, actually... That kind of leads into the into the question there. So like um, the reason why I thought about this as a question is because my big hope with this particular crisis uh, in our species history is that uh, you know I tend to believe that people need kind of people kind of need crises in order to realize just how much they need to change as people. They need that kind of impetus for change in order to grow and become better people. And it just so happened that this particular crisis, I think, affected just about everybody on planet Earth in more or less the same way. Because the last the last event that I could think of that really kind of shook us to our core like this, the last one I could think of was 9-11, but even that was like a uniquely American event that just happened to have worldwide repercussions, but, you know, if you were in, um, you know, I don't know where Yugoslavia or something, it didn't perhaps affect you quite as severely as it did for an American, obviously, uh, especially if you were a New Yorker, you know, it didn't affect you quite as personally, but, uh, it did have worldwide repercussions. Meanwhile, COVID comes along, seems to affect everybody in biologically the same way and in terms of, like, the country uh, response, more or less the same way. Some countries, like the U.S., was our response to it was pretty piss poor in comparison to, like, New Zealand and Japan and places like that. Um, but, um, you know, point being, like, the actual uh, focus of the crisis seemed to affect people in the same way. And, uh, you know, in the aftermath of nine eleven, I remembered seeing a lot of people kind of coming together for the first time in a long time. And then, of course, the problem is that the half-life for that one was pretty short because then it immediately turned into Islamophobia and into uh, the calls for war and that kind of stuff. And the Bush administration was all too happy to kind of take that and pivot it into an overall war on terror and that kind of stuff. And I had hoped that the half-life for this particular crisis would be a little bit longer as far as realizing that we're all in this human experience together and that kind of stuff. But then, of course, you know, more uh, things to divide us, kind of, or more divisive issues arose. And, you know, it was just such that I'd hoped that my my great hope is that in times of crisis, that more people will come together and will realize that we're more similar than we are different. And it kind of helps to take some of those blinders off. You know, that's always my hope. And that's why I always try to tell people to kind of keep themselves in the mentality of what people who are going through great crises of various sorts, the kinds of wisdom that comes from that. And I think you see that with people that have been through unbelievable events you know such as like wars and genocide and that kind of stuff and and assuming that they survived those things i think that they come away with immense uh wisdom about the human condition um i was just more disappointed that in the world at large all i saw was even more selfishness even more like you know people that were insisting upon gathering when they shouldn't have and not wearing masks when they should have and then being so shocked when they did come down with covid and that kind of stuff but, you know, that all of that being said, I thought about this topic because I know for myself that I took the pandemic as an opportunity to really do some soul searching and to really think about what's important and what I was really made of and that kind of stuff. And so I thought, oh, that's a good topic because my hope is that anybody watching this would say to themselves, gee, I really am a different person than I was pre-COVID. I'm, uh, I, uh, my great hope is that there are more people out there than I think, uh, that think deeper now that put their priorities in the right place that, you know, people that focus on things that last and things that matter rather than things that are kind of of the moment. And, um, and I would hope that, you know, more people kind of had a have a maturity that they didn't have and have a greater understanding of just what all they have to lose, you know, Um, And so therefore they can live each day in that spirit because it's when you don't think anything's going to happen to you that you have the rug pulled from out under you. And that's when your world really comes crashing down. So considering that everybody's world came crashing down, my hope is that this will allow for future generations to have a greater perspective that people of older generations that faced a lot more crises on the regular that you know that kind of wisdom and understanding that they would you know hopefully have that spirit so let's start with you uh kelly in what ways do you think you have changed from who you were pre-covid versus post-covid which and i say post-covid very loosely because we're technically still in it but
1: i think uh in in my case this uh Disease did came in the worst time of my life, because it wasn't the time that my mother was sick, and then she died. And I was kind of like, I was in Brazil, and when they want to close the whole airport, the whole border, and they give uh, emergency comeback for who want to come back home. And since I have a ticket that stop in U.S, and then Canada. I was just, my feelings, everything was so lost in my head. I didn't, I was not afraid of the coronavirus because that don't hit me as much because my mother died and I was just focused on that. But at the same time, I want to come back home because I have my young children here, stay with their dad and I start being panicking and, and think that are they safe? are safe, because, you know, daddy sometimes, uh, most of the time uh, is not so careful as a mom. At least in my case, I'm more overprotected. So I start thinking more about them to the point that even when I came here, I stayed two weeks without seeing them. I don't want to come close because I knew it in Rio and Sao Paulo, those two places, was contaminated. Like people was catching like crazy because Brazilian was not believing in that disease. You're thinking Brazilian will kill any disease. <laughs> we are invisible, you know. And uh, I was terrified because I was thinking nobody wearing masks here. I got something. I need to stay two weeks. And slowly I realized that, oh, my gosh, there is another tragic. It's this disease. Uh, kids cannot go nowhere. I cannot go nowhere. I'm afraid to go shopping. Um, so it basically was like life shut down. So I just not just have the emotion shut down. Life in general for me was like finished. like it was really terrible. And my kids always was very active and it was so hard. Luckily, we live in the house with big backyard that have lots of stuff to play. But still, uh, they miss their friends. I don't see my friends for a very, very long time, and since I have this emotion locked down, I lock myself up. Uh, I didn't call friends, I didn't see friends. And still, on and off, sometimes, you know, I talk to them, but sometimes I don't. So everybody changed in general. Like it's this complete, um, how you say, apocalypse, <laughs> to be honest in people's life, and my life affects a lot, I guess I get lucky to have motivation to do something because I have to, because of the children, but I cannot imagine someone that is alone, so I'm giving to you because you're a different type of uh, lifestyle than me. So, like I said, for me, was a motivation was my kids to keep going, inventing something To do you know and stop thinking uh, not just about um, you know go have fun by this by that but something that what I can do here and uh, or what I can uh, do with my perspective of the way I am to appreciate what I have right now because every time you open the TV, the news was how many people die. And how life is the most precious thing in the world. And that's when it started hitting me. I'm alive. My kid's alive. That's all matters. That's when I come with that, put that virus to not just shut down emotion or my life, but to realize that the most important, we're still healthy and alive
0: absolutely that's very very good um, well you're right that you know you have bigger things in your life already to focus on uh, which is important because um, you know putting your priorities in the right place from the onset will help you get through the worst of things and um, you know I think I I had uh, I was you know alone but at the same time I, i wasn't like fully alone because i did uh room with somebody uh because so you know not to rehash the whole hairy topic of uh last episode you know watch last episode for all of that drama but um you know with my ex-fiance having said that she didn't want to get married anymore i was not in a good mental state to begin with and so, so you I was, have
1: a kind of lost too, right? I
0: was well. I was really just emotionally shattered, and it was at that point that I didn't want to be by myself. Um, and it again, it was kind of perverse that I still I wanted her around for the simple reason that I didn't want to be totally by myself, even though she was the one who broke my heart. But I was like, well, you know, we're still kind of financially inter- intertwined, and also because I just needed someone else physically there even if it was her just to where i wouldn't give a chance for the the demons in my head wouldn't allow there wouldn't be a chance for them to crawl in and so therefore um you know that was kind of perverse in its own right but you know extreme times that was even pre-covid and then when the pandemic officially hit um i was rooming with a friend of mine uh for a few months just to try to save money and everything And also just just to not be alone. And, uh, you know, it it has so happened that the pandemic had hit at that time. And, uh, you know, and I was out of work and um, trying to find a job and, you know, it was just a very tough time in my life. Um, And then Uh, I moved in with a different friend who was in need of uh, someone to kind of share half the rent and, you know, it was looking like uh, the timing would work out and I was kind of hoping that that would become my life because I liked the idea of having someone else there to kind of coexist with and pal around with and that kind of stuff. And then, you know, we had our kind of run-ins as roommates go and that kind of stuff and so that part wasn't great you know but um it was nothing severe it was just such that it made me want to be by myself again and overall you know that's kind of how i like it but you know that was um something that happened during the as the pandemic progressed kind of last summer about uh, that's where the timing worked out and then around the fall that's when i moved in by myself for the first time in quite a number of months actually longer than that um quite a few years because I'd been living with my ex-fiance and um you know so I'd been by myself for the first time in a while and I kind of I felt like I and I had my you know good friend next door um so I still and I still do so that's a good feeling to have I don't feel totally alone but it uh you know i just kind of weaned myself off of that feeling of having another person in the house and um you know so it, all throughout that time it was such that i you know was trying to get over heartbreak um while the pandemic was going on and i was still kind of in survival mode with trying to find another job that would last and um trying to de- navigate unemployment and Uh, different living situations and all this stuff that kind of descended upon me all at the same time. And so, uh, you know, there was a lot of that. But in the midst of all that, I realized just kind of how uh, how much I was capable of that I didn't realize I was because I was um, I'd grown up homeschooled and my parents did a lot of stuff kind of for me um, and were not really patient or emotionally all all that emotionally intelligent enough to where they would have the patience or the understanding to explain things in a way that I could understand and so they would get angry easily and frustrated easily and it just made it such that you were afraid to ask them any clarifying questions because it, you know, I think it was because it kind of hurt their pride as if to say that they weren't explaining things right and oh how could that be the case it has to be you that's getting this wrong and it couldn't possibly be them who's just bad at explaining things and um, you know so it was that but then also it was um, you know they would they would tell me that I was unconsciously incompetent when it came to like whenever they wanted to win an argument with me because I didn't jump when they tell me that they wanted me to jump. um, You know, that was always the phrase that they would trot out was that I was unconsciously incompetent. And so then pandemic time comes and I'm really tested and I navigate all these areas of life that I didn't have any prior training in and you know, nobody in my family ever had to go on unemployment or anything like that. Um, But I navigated that world by myself. And I moved myself, you know, between all these different apartments and stuff, I moved myself more or less by myself. um, And, uh, you know, all these different things that I navigated that I had never done before. And so it kind of made me into a much more overtly competent person and I did it without their help because they like to put themselves on a pedestal to where they were the ones that kind of were the they kind of put placed themselves up to where they were the fountain of all knowledge and they had to that I had to come to them for everything and you know it was a very perverse way of parenting and um so and they tracked me down they tracked me down to where I lived you know one of the places that I lived um because of I had changed my voting record and I guess that unless you say otherwise it's a matter of public record and so they found it and they tracked me down and so I made sure to lock that information down as much as I could so that way they wouldn't know where I lived um and uh that was very scary in and of itself. And I kind of gave them one more chance as far as patching things up. And then they just, again, they violated any kind of trust or boundaries and they uh, proved that they're never gonna change. They're only gonna get worse. And so I cut them out of my life, you know, for the hopefully last time. And um, you know, so I had all that going on, amidst also trying to nurse a broken heart, and trying to find another job, and to find a stable living condition, and that kind of stuff. Um, so for me, it kind of told me exactly what I was made of—that I could get through uh, the worst of, uh, of so many, the worst of so many areas of life. You know, all these things that were kind of descending upon me at one time. Now I am thankful that I was not sick during that time and I kept myself healthy and away from other people and that kind of stuff. I was thankful for that. Um but yeah, you know, so it could have been a lot worse, but it was just um it taught me what I was really made of and that I had the inner strength. Um my mom would always tell me that I was the strongest person she knew and I always thought it was based on that which I could endure, um, in other words, like, bad things happen to you, and just how much can you, how much pain can you take, and I think a lot of it, uh, during that time, a lot of it was that still, but also it was, for the first time, it was me kind of using my own wherewithal to get through those things, and not be dependent on these parental figures that just want to be held up as gods, practically, and, um, So I think it kind of taught me a lot about what I'm really made of and, um, you know, how much I can get through the worst of times. Um, And that's not even counting the jobs that I did get uh, and how psychotic a lot of those people were and how they reminded me of my family. Um, Well, the, the one that I got towards the end of the year uh, of the last year I uh the people that I worked for they were just psychotic and were um really horrible people who did you know psychologically they reminded me a lot of my family and I was like I have to get out of here there's no way I can endure at a place like this um and so thankfully I have the job that I have now and everything's wonderful um but it's just uh I realized just how bad things can get, but also that I have the wherewithal to get through those times that yeah, and I did it without my family having to bestow it upon me in the way that they kind of like to you know be the benefactor of everything in my life, and um you know, so I realized just uh what all I'm capable of, and i I did that all while trying to nurse my broken heart and You know, I still struggle with that, you know, but not as badly as I did when it was really fresh. Um, But it's, uh, I think that the person I was pre-pandemic, I think I was a lot more dependent on certain other people than I am now. Um, And I think I was uh, less capable of navigating certain aspects of the world. I think I uh, I kind of expected outside forces to save me from my own wretchedness and so I realized that you can't do that you have to look to yourself and yourself only as kind of your salvation from your feelings of wretchedness and um, you know so I learned that pretty definitively and so you know it did teach me just a lot about self-reliance and a lot about um you know realizing that you should never let other people's uh abuse you know get to you in a way that it keeps you from being your best the, ver- the best version of yourself and uh to always be seeking what that best version of yourself could be like um so, yeah, it, it was a lot of just kind of eliminating all these bad, It's kind of a big detox for me, um, you know, trying to eliminate all these bad people and bad events and memories and stuff from my system to try to move on and to, you know, be uh, a better person. Now that things are starting to open back up again, I've really tried to challenge myself and tried to get out and do things that I wouldn't do otherwise um, and that's another way I've changed is that I really was kind of a so I had a lot of social phobias and you know I'm still not the most gregarious person on earth but I am really actively trying to get out into gatherings uh, which I in public places which I wouldn't normally do Um, I am trying to do that because I don't want to be controlled by my own fear and also because, you know, I was inside for such a long time um, and, you know, the work that I do now, I get to work from home every day. So I'm in my habitat plenty. I get my kind of rejuvenation. And now when I go out, it's because I want to go out instead of, you know, going to a physical office um, for at least eight hours a day and feeling exhausted to where all you want to do is stay home you know mm. so I'm trying now to get out to uh you know be out amongst people and then hopefully you know n- not be so afraid and that way I can potentially meet someone new or or do whatever that you know you can't you can't expect your life to change if you're just sitting at home alone. That's basically what I have realized. So I'm trying to give myself more opportunities for my life to change, you know. And um, yeah, so that's another area that I've grown.
1: But then, um, since now with the vaccine, do you took your vaccine?
0: Yeah, I'm fully... One dose or two? Two, two Two of the Pfizer. Uh, two of the Pfizer. I'm totally uh, vaccinated. I have my card in my wallet. Um, and uh, the first dose was very easy. It was just like a mildly sore arm and that was it. And then the second dose uh, was a mildly sore arm. And then I got a little bit of uh, little bit of body aches, a little bit of chills, little bit of sweating, but that cleared up within like a day. And uh, then I was good to go. And Do you so you get
1: the shots in the same arms or
0: I I did uh, get yeah. it. I, yeah, I don't think it really matters, but, um, yeah, I got mine in the same arm and, uh, but I feel a lot better knowing that I have, you know, that I am fully vaccinated and I'll, I'll get whatever booster they offer whenever they offer it. Um, but I just felt good that it was like, it took like a year and two months after the, uh, After the pandemic first hit U.S. shores, um, you know, a year and two months later finally got it in me. But, um, you know, I was glad to better late than never. And keep in mind that during the like from September of 2020 to March of this year, I was having to physically go into an office building where nobody else was wearing a mask and nobody really took the pandemic seriously I wore my mask and I kept to myself and you know I did all that I was supposed to do but it was just like you know that was another ma- major major turnoff from that job was uh because I, I needed a job I needed to work I didn't want to starve and didn't want to be on unemployment for longer than I needed to be um but it was just very demoralizing to see just how people did not care about the pandemic at all you know they just did not care and it Do you was think like,
1: because because people did not care that's why it went nuts everybody was lots of people getting it because they don't take serious
0: yeah so well there are several contributing factors to it i think it was um so the, the influence of the anti-mask kind of uh, conspiracy theorists, uh, which bled into the um, anti-vaccine conspiracy theorist types, um, their pernicious influence cannot be underestimated. There's, they have a lot of numbers and a lot of reach. Um, the amount of disinformation that floated around uh, was as much of a pandemic as the actual pandemic. I think um, we learned just how uh, we need arbiters of truth in um, in this world in a way that we don't have them. You know, it used to be such that the um, well, the biggest corrupting influence, I think, was the fact that like the the news media for most of its existence it was okay for it to lose money and then as soon as the news part of whatever the media corporation or whatever as soon as the news department could not lose money as long once it started to have to turn a profit and it had to get eyeballs and that kind of stuff then it became sensationalist and then that's when the cracks started to form and people started to see oh wait these journalists uh you know, they're human beings, too, and they can be fallible, and, you know, they uh, have to try to get eyeballs, and so then that's when the truth gets distorted, and it's an economic incentive for the truth to get distorted, uh, even more than an ideological one, which a lot of people will try to say that it's all ideological, which... I would argue that there's probably some of it, but most of it's economically driven. Um, And then that gets worse and worse with each decade. And then you get the internet in there and you get, you know, people's propensity to share things. The internet and social media, people have a propensity to share things that are sensationalist in nature without fact checking. And then, you know, the, the big tech giants, they take forever to get on board with the idea that, hey, we need... Arbiters of truth out there, um, and it was only after they could real after like twenty sixteen with the Russians buying the Facebook ads and kind of d- doing their big targeted disinformation campaigns to disrupt our elections in the U.S. It's only then that they realized how fragile democracy is, and yeah. you know with with a unhinged lunatic like Trump running things, um, you know did we realize just how. There really are no safeguards of any of these systems of government or any of these infrastructures of any kind. And so, you know, with uh, Facebook having and other tech giants having to really monitor fake news and and try to double, triple, quadruple fact check things, it's like, well, you know, I think that that in and of itself is a good thing. Um, it should have always been there. And it just tells us now more than ever that you know, we really do need arbiters of truth and arbiters of scientific fact, uh, because if we don't have it, then we get what we got, which is a lot of people that were deliberately um, not following protocol because they believed it was all a conspiracy theory to try to get nanobots inside their bloodstreams through the vaccines, or that it was the government's way of trying to... um, you know make us compliant for a police state or uh, compliant for this that or the other thing for more control uh all of the second amendment people were arguing that it was just to get our guns away and that kind of stuff it was all these things that for which there was very little basis um and uh and of course the people that i was working with were all hardcore trump supporters which i didn't know at the time um but it was just, it became really obvious that they just were the ultimate, like, stick their heads in the sand and believe nonsense and not believe the truth. Um, they were those kinds of people. And I was like, I don't want to be around these kinds of people anymore. Because um, they were, and they were really hateful, awful people on top of all that, you know. So it was just a nexus of horribleness. But as far as like why. I think it was a couple things. It was the disinformation that I talked about, the fact that um, people, I think, in this country, especially because we kind of have that American exceptionalism, rugged individualism, uh, the government can't tell me what to do, we have all that kind of hard-boiled inside of us to where when the government really needs to um do what a government is supposed to do which is look after its citizens in to the maximal level when that time really comes where we don't have the uh mental or the emotional infrastructure for it because we're designed to believe that the government is always bad the government is always you know going to turn tyrannical and so therefore we have to resist it and that kind of stuff um which obviously was a very real reality in the 1700s when the founding fathers uh you know even came up with the idea for um, this country you know that was a very real thing because it was actual actual kings and queens you know running the show so for them it was a very big reality which is not to say it couldn't be a reality again it's just more so that uh you know when it comes to like the public good, public health, public safety, and we still don't follow what should be simple straightforward protocol, we have ourselves a problem, Um, so it was that plus all the um, just I think it was an even bigger problem and this one kind of treaded across party lines, which was just overall apathy. I think people were very apathetic when it came to uh we we've been so kind of anesthetized by our entertainment and by our lifestyles of going out and getting drunk every night um we've been so anesthetized to that that any time that something takes away our our drug our drug of choice which is apathy and uh, avarice you know but especially apathy whenever we have something that takes away our drug of choice our immediate instinct is to try to get a a small little hit of it um and uh that's why i said you know take this time to really focus on yourself and to kind of detox from the drug of you know apathy and of superficiality and of you know, thinking that the most important thing is the most trendy Twitter hashtag and the most, uh, you know, how drunk can I get on a Saturday night and that kind of stuff. You know, that's I I put my focus on trying to burn away all the chaff, you know, that was in me as much as I could, and uh, I still got plenty of work to do because I, the part that's still unresolved is all my heartbreak and all my anger from the past and and that kind of stuff. So that's, you know, something I continue to deal with. But as far as like, realizing that I could die tomorrow, and realizing how precious life is, it's like every person on earth should be thinking in those terms, every day, pandemic or no pandemic. We should never ever think that tomorrow is guaranteed, because it's not. No tomorrow is ever guaranteed. And so, you know, I think that why it hit us so bad is those kinds of things. It's disinformation, it's uh kind of our the lie of uh Americanism, you might say. Mm-hmm. Um it, and or rather the the pandemic kind of exposed all the gaping holes in that uh ideology, which had a purpose, you know, at a certain point then it just kinda mutated uh from then on and then of course just the drug of avarice or the drug of uh, apathy even more than avarice even though avarice is a big part of it but apathy in particular just people that just don't care about things that are important in life uh or they have misplaced priorities um i would chalk it up to those three and so i would hope that i hope that there are more people out there that were able to detox from all those things um you know, in the wake of the pandemic, because one thing I know from, uh, apparently, because I did a lot of work last year with studying Canada versus the U.S., and a lot of what, uh, so Canada doesn't have a lot of the problems we have. I mean, they have, there's plenty of crossover, but like some of the uniquely American, or not, maybe not all that unique, but a lot of like American problems that Canada doesn't have, or doesn't have anywhere near as badly as we do um is like there's obviously far less gun crime there's far less in just the wake like i guess you'd call it like outdoor crime in particular largely because it's so cold and the closer you get to the equator the more that those kinds of outdoorsy crimes increase uh, statistically um but you know canada also has a much higher degree of like you know, indoor crimes like domestic abuse and sexual abuse and that kind of stuff, uh, which, of course, makes sense because it's cold outside, you can't go out, you're staying in, you have conflicts with each other, and then, of course, those yeah. things happen. You um, have
1: breakups because yeah. you cannot, You have enough.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, but, you know, with Canada, it seems like they, well, the difference between Canada and the United States is that their government is actually set up to do what a government's supposed to do, which is look out for the basic citizenry. Our government has basically been taken over by special interest groups to where ordinary people get the small, smaller and smaller table scraps, as opposed to, you know, what Canada, Canada seems to actually care about the basic citizenry, and so the services that you pay for in the form of the admittedly higher taxes, but you get a lot more for what you pay, and unlike here. Ah, uh, where you get a lot more taken. You get you know plenty taken out in taxes, but uh, you don't get nearly as much for what you pay. Um, but I think that that probably helped in the way of it not hitting. Like it hit Canada plenty bad, but it was not it didn't seem to like put nearly as many people out on the streets and, you know, worried about tomorrow and that kind of stuff in in quite the same way. And I think what that told us is that, you know, you need people to look after each other, you know, that's what a government is supposed to do. And I think we learn just how much, uh, how much we need each other and how much we need a government that actually cares about the basic citizenry. And that's another reason why I'm so glad that the raving lunatic that previously occupied the Oval Office is gone, hopefully never to return. Um, And uh, so I'm hoping that, Even more than that, I just, I think it's a much, much deeper problem than politics, even though that is the area in which the perniciousness of the conspiracy theories, the kind of toxic Americanism and and, uh, apathy, all three of those things uh, manifested themselves pretty perniciously in the form of politics, but it's a problem that's much deeper than politics and much deeper than left-wing and right-wing and all that stuff because I see it everywhere. And uh, my hope is that with the pandemic, that at least some of that got killed off or got turned into people that had a greater kind of internal strength. Um, And I got to thinking about, like... Uh, some of the get your shot ads that I've seen, uh, some of those have used uh, World War II images and have said, not since World War II have we been called to come together for a greater purpose, all that stuff, which is actually kind of what I've been thinking about because I thought about like saving Private Ryan and just World War II in general. I thought about how that was a whole generation of people Uh, Well, men specifically that went off to fight the war, but people in general, because the women, you know, did a whole, whole lot uh, back at home and like in the factories and in all these office positions that they otherwise wouldn't have had. All these, uh, everybody in that generation really knew very clearly what, or they found out quickly what uh, was important in life and it came after pearl harbor that you know the the war effort really came to their front door and they realized just how precious all of this was and so they engaged in a lot of self sacrifice and really earned the title of the greatest generation and that was all pre internet pre computers everything then i think about all this this wonderland of technology that we have now and i think about how you know there's no way that the people of this generation have even a quarter of the inner strength that that generation had when it came to literal life and death of a different sort, admittedly, with a physical, visible enemy instead of a virus. But still, it's like, you know, that also got me thinking because I was like, that's a whole generation of people that collectively self-sacrificed so much up to and including their own lives in the service of something greater. And I think about how, you know, one of the pernicious effects of social media is that it's always, you know, very self-centered. And I don't think that that necessarily, um, ingratiates a spirit of selflessness or of, uh, understanding that there are other people, it's like we're more connected than we've ever been, but we're also more egocentric than we've ever been. And it's like, you know, I would hope, I I wanted to see more evidence that if we were really tested in the way that we've been tested, uh, I wanted to see more evidence that we uh, would rise to the occasion. And what I saw was even more selfishness, even more pettiness, even more uh, self-absorption on a mass scale like you had all those mass protests where nowhere uh, on whatever side where nowhere near enough people were wearing masks while they were doing it and um you know it was like on the one hand i gave you know i did i did you know give you give the uh george floyd and black lives matter people give them credit for standing up for something that they believed in, Uh, I did see some inconsistency with the mask wearing um, at the rally that I went to. Um, I saw more people than not wearing masks, which was fine, but I just, you know, it was like, I guess that you could call that courageous as far as, like, standing up for something important despite the dangers. Um, I think you could probably, you know, you could probably call that courageous to a, you know, to a degree. It was just... uh, I would have liked to have seen more, and they're probably out there somewhere, more stories of people that said that I was this way pre-COVID and now I'm wiser. I'm living for, with the belief that there are things in this world that are more important than me. And uh, again, I, I want to hear those stories. If they're out there, and I'm sure they're out there, I want to hear them. I just wasn't really seeing that in the national discussion. And I'm hoping that people don't forget the lessons that they hopefully learned during the worst years, uh, the worst months of the, uh, the worst months of the worst year in my life, um, and I assume in most people's lives. Um, and I would hope that they would do it in the same kind of self-sacrificial uh, spirit that people immediately following Pearl Harbor, that they would hopefully have you know, gotten inside of them.
1: I I think just um, coronavirus uh, took so many lives and affect so many people's life, and they not just start caring about themselves, but the pers- the people around them, right? And of course, there's lots of cases too that special the younger generation. Um, there was lots of videos up there showing some people did not care, is supposed to uh, try to avoid, to spread the virus and some of them was spreading in purpose just to, you know, harm people. I saw Mm -hmm. videos, people sneezing, going, uh, they are going even to jail because people start, you know, but the mentality of some people is like, I'm not going down by myself. I want to take with me. And then the other side that you start caring about your parents more than you used to because that's it. They could die. You know, yeah. you know they're going to die, but you knew at that moment, if I don't do something about it, they're going to die. So it's my fault. So they start have so many um, emotions, so many uh, open their eyes and, and, and care about everybody around. And I know the kids was uh, one of the last target this virus right because they're younger the immune is you know is, is better the older one was the most worried about everyone family yeah and because they do have to look after them so they have to care about themselves so they don't bring it and there's lots of um, actors in Brazil that I know um, she was there is one case she was so healthy and one family member came visit her and give her the coronavirus she die. Oh, wow. So it was like so sad because people was thinking that, you know what? Just because I don't have the symptoms, this virus is so weird, so unique. Because some people that have the immune system that can fight, you don't have that much of the symptoms. Yeah. So it's hard for you to find out, especially that take one or two weeks to you find out you really have. And to that moment, it's not that person fall, but you could spread and can cause life. And like I said, he costs all his aunt's life. So, I mean, it was so terrifying when you realize that you can have it without knowing it. It's not like a flu that you have and, and, and right away you start feeling weak inside. No, it's like you're normal. I have a neighbor, the, the whole family catch coronavirus, right? And my daughter was uh, with her in that week when she find out she had coronavirus. We all panic because, like I say, I have four children in the house and I start, oh, my gosh. And my kids was worried about me. Mom, if you catch, you're going to die because they know I'm older and they were worried. Even the kids was knew it, that older people would die, right? So. We have to put a hand in the basement, and for two weeks. And she even was so responsible because she's the one told us the neighbor has. Mom, I was there, and I cannot come. And I say okay, but thank God was nothing. She doesn't have it. And um, but still that feeling. I don't want to get together with that neighbor anymore because mm-hmm. I still feel that it's still dangerous. They still can spread it. Like they fine, right? They complete fine, but still and i think that lots of people sometimes hide it that virus that if they have or if they because they are afraid of people look at them different way and avoid them yeah and i can confess i do avoid my neighbors because i am scared you know yeah, so what do well you it, think about
0: it, it it does kind of carry with it a certain um well, it's like, I want to say it carries with it a certain social stigma. And yet, again, the virus behaves so differently for different people. Um, so it is it is related to the flu, like the um, uh, ep- the uh, the genesis of it is similar to the flu. Um, but it, uh what was so weird about it. So, like, I knew people that caught it. They were like the first wave of people that caught it and the people I'm thinking of they would be the first wave of people to catch it because they're the kind of people that were very socially active all the time and uh, like going to bars and stuff and that seemed to be like the epicenter of people that caught it which is not surprising um the particular people I'm thinking of they like had symptoms where they were like they couldn't taste anything for like a week and things like that just weird things like that but they got over it and um, they had the antibodies. And in fact, um, one person in particular, thankfully, actually used that uh, as a way to give back because she actually was donating her plasma with the antibodies to help make more of what would eventually become the vaccine. So that was really good. That was actually using your uh, having had it for the greater good, which is really nice. Um and uh you know so on the one hand it was like you know for because like the the trump argument and the people like that their argument was oh the flu is more severe or you know you just have the sniffles and that's it you know and it's like well no it, it isn't that way especially if you are older you're at much higher risk um but you know but then the problem is that a lot of the people i knew that had it they must have had a better immune system with which to fight it off uh because they were saying you know it wasn't as bad as i thought it was gonna be um i knew other people that were asymptomatic carriers and didn't even know it and of course they i'm sure would have done their own work to kind of spread it far and wide without meaning to because they didn't know um so there was that and then also like i knew people kind of tangentially who knew other people who actually did die of it uh or who got you know sick and hospitalized as a result um so i mean i knew kind of the full spectrum of it and i never felt any symptoms of any kind i never got formally tested but also because i kind of knew myself and i knew who all i'd been in contact with and would been very 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 few people um so i figured you know that the the likelihood of me having this is astronomically low um and also because i was like well you know my number one focus has to be finding another job. And so I kept all my energies on that. And I was like, well, if, you know, if I ever need to get tested, sure, I'll get tested. But I was like, if unless I feel something, then my priority needs to be finding another job. And I never felt anything. um, And I, you know, did get fully vaccinated and that was all good. Um, Still haven't had to have a a COVID test. I would again be perfectly fine getting one, even though the, now the likelihood of me getting it is even lower than it was because I had the vaccine in me. Um, but you know, I saw the full spectrum of it all um, when i uh, was when it was first happening, I think uh, it did kind of, I would hope, kind of get people to think about their the more uh like let's say fifty plus uh, members of society um people 50 and older you know kind of got us hopefully to think more about their health and safety and that kind of stuff and i would hope so and yet i also saw for those people that got it and fought it off and they were like oh it wasn't as bad as i thought um i did see some more kind of, I guess you'd say, egocentrism or, and they didn't, it was very mild with those people that I'm thinking of because I wouldn't be friends with uh, them otherwise. Um, But then I think about like the people who were at my old workplace who just did not care. They were incredibly egocentric and incredibly just, you know, it's what's ha- what's happening to me is all that's real and all the other stuff oh that doesn't matter you know they were of that mindset and you know i just i think it was kind of that egocentrism that really um you know contributed a lot to getting us into the, that mess in the first place and so you know i uh I really tried to kind of examine how they were behaving versus how I was behaving and that kind of stuff. And, you know, the other thing now that the world is reopening, I kind of realized that I kept myself kind of closed off from the world, largely because I was, again, under my parents' thumb. And, you know, I was just so focused on that, that I, you know, I wasn't in the best emotional state with which to kind of blossom as a uh, social butterfly or whatever. But, um, also, you know, it's just, I am kind of introverted by nature, but I, um, you know, I was, um, thinking, you know, during that time that I was like, you know, I have been too closed off. I've been too, uh, you know, kind of scared of other people, um. And it hasn't really gotten me anywhere. I need to be more okay with uh, getting out and about, and with putting myself in situations that I would normally be too scared of being in. Because again, you cannot expect your life to change when you're just alone in your apartment, scared of the outside world. Um, you just can't expect that to happen. All the things that kind of, all the good things that happened to me that kind of propelled me to the next stage Happened because I met people at an event or something. And so I've been trying to challenge myself in that area. Um, once uh, more events have started to open up and more opportunities have presented themselves, uh, especially now that I have kind of eliminated so many corrupting influences from my life uh, and ones that would have put me in a worse mental state uh, than I needed to be in and uh you know so i would hope that you know for a lot of people um who perhaps were more egocentric prior to COVID, i would hope that they would go back into their social settings with a greater sense of understanding of how their actions impact other people and uh for those of us that were perhaps less sociable I would hope that it would give us more of the courage to having done the inner work that we've hopefully done. I would hope that it would give us more of the uh, inner strength with which to kind of put ourselves in situations that we normally wouldn't be in and then reap all the rewards of that.
1: Uh, For me, um, since you locked up home, right? You cannot go. So basically you have some more indoor mindset of what should I do. Yeah. So for me, the difference that, uh, was create a YouTube channel because I was suffocated since I could not talk to nobody. So, um, like I said, I was dealing with the emotion of my mom and I had nobody to talk to. And lots of people ask how you doing, how you doing. And I don't want to be talking to people, you know, in the phone i i start thinking maybe i should have a youtube channel about my life and i would express in the video by myself how i feel so i create like those groups in the facebook for movies so i start creating things because i was thinking that i can share things about my life and share what i like to do and maybe other people that probably is bored very boring at home like don't have nothing else to do maybe can join me and you know have something to do too because um i was thinking um i have a friend before i always get an older older friend like in the sixties, 70 that's my kind of friends i normally make and i did have that friend and she died in 2019 Right. Was a heartbroken for me because she was like a mom was the first person I met in Canada here Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: I knew her for 20 years. And so anyways, she never had kids. Right. And she she did have a husband that he died um, five years before she died. And I was the only one for her. And when I lost her was already one lost. And then, year after my mother. So, I was really suffocating inside. Who to talk, what to do, and I want to share my feelings. And I can say that that coronavirus made me realize that you don't have to be face to face with someone. You can't even online. You learn how to open it up yourself to others in your own way in your own environment. And I think sometimes. I almost never talked to my friend about my life before. I always used to say, yeah, my marriage fine. Everything's fine. I never ever fa- say that there's something there. I always locked up. And that's why everybody was thinking that my marriage was perfect, was great. You lucky you this, you that, because I never was to express that. And now I let it go because I feel that, you know what, I'm in my environment. Now I can let it go. I can say whatever I want it, you know, and yeah. thanks to that tragic moment. I mean, I, I'm not happy to this coronavirus, but gave me the opportunity for myself mm-hmm. to realize that I need to focus how I feel. And if I do feel uh, I have to let it go, lots of things to move on. And this is like a therapy for me, to be honest. I feel good every time I make a video and I talk. I can say that I record like 10 times when I was making a video for my mother because I keep crying. (laughs) It was hard. So I cut again and again and again. And that's why I make like three videos because I couldn't stop crying. But it was great. I feel great. And I recommend for everybody that if he's alone or have a family or whatever it is, find your own way to let it go open it up you would feel way better don't worry about what people gonna judge you you know how you live your life how you did it that who cares because maybe one or two gonna think that way but there's others that will have the same situation you have the same feelings and that's what i find out there's more people up there like me feel like this and went through lots of things like i am So um, I have to say this meantime was this lockdown that make me release, you know, who I am. So what's changed, like, how was your feelings, what this um, uh, coronavirus lockdown make you change in your life?
0: Well, um, so the interesting thing that I observed about the actual lockdown part, was that, so I grew up homeschooled. I grew up kind of sequestered away from other people anyway. I grew up with kind of a very kind of indoor mentality anyway. Um, I, for years and years, my mother was kind of a, she became even worse of a germaphobe over time. She always kind of was one and then she got worse over time. She would always, always insist on us washing our hands like really thoroughly and You know all that stuff which is i don't begrudge her that one bit um because it turned i mean now she she did it to such an extent that i think she kind of um like i think she kind of was so like i did it you know because you should do it but i wasn't like so consumed with worry in the way that she was because i think it was that plus the worrying part that kind of created that frayed emotional state for her to where she kept getting sick all the time, you know, which is counterintuitive, um, which, you know, you should keep hygienic, you should keep clean and all that stuff. Everything that the CDC, uh, in America, um, everything that they were saying for us to do, like, you know, keep six feet apart, wear a mask, wash your hands, do this, do that. We should have been doing that stuff anyway. Um, and, of course, the fact that we didn't is partially what, you know, allowed it to spread so fast. But, um, you know, the uh, I think it was for her, like, the fact that she was so worried all the time that kind of created that lower... Because when you're really in a bad emotional state, your immune system's lowered on top of, like, her being so kind of sterile that when something did come along, it was ready for her. And I, you know, kept plenty clean and all that stuff, but I tried to not let that affect me... Um, and I didn't get sick anywhere near as often as she would, uh, like prior to the pandemic. But the point is I had all that training prior to the pandemic so that when the pandemic hit and because I was kind of a naturally indoor of a naturally indoor mindset, anyway, I was ready. So it really didn't affect my life very much at all. Um, and it, uh, you know, with the, uh, finding another job and stuff. So I was at home anyway. Um, you know, it didn't really affect, I, I hate to say it, it didn't really affect my life in that specific realm. It didn't really affect my life very much at all. Uh, cause again, I was not really of the mindset to really be going out and doing things all that much. Uh, I did challenge myself a little bit. Um, but I, you know, when i was really in a bad emotional state i didn't want to go out and do anything and you know my parents kind of put me in that bad emotional state for a long time and then with the breakup that put me back in that bad place um so i wasn't really of that mindset anyway and i was just too fearful of stupid things and so you know if anything i felt more kind of emotionally validated during the worst of the lockdown because everybody else in the world got to experience the teeniest tiniest little taste of what life had been like for me for most of my life and uh so i felt kind of i felt good to know that other people felt what it was like to be in my shoes for a while because most people quite frankly there's no way that they could really understand how my life has been Um, because the problems that faced me in my life were not all that typical. Like, I don't hear all the stories about, you know, living with a family of my kind. I don't hear all the stories about living with various chronic conditions. I don't hear all the stories about, you know, kids that were homeschooled and what that does to you psychologically. Um, Having moved as many times as I have, like, I've had a lot of things happened to me that are pretty unique to my story that I don't hear about in a lot of like media or a lot of support groups or a lot of you know this that or the other thing as as tragic and as awful and as in need of change as a lot of the racial stuff has been with like you know African Americans with the George Floyd stuff and then the recent you know Asian American and Asian American and Pacific Islander hate crimes that happened which was another glorious side effect of this coronavirus was all the outpouring of racism of all sorts, but especially aimed at Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. Um, You know, as tragic as all of that is, and as much as we need to always keep that stuff top of mind and work towards societal changes, you know, those are things that are perhaps a little bit more commonplace you know, sometimes commonplace in a bad way, as we know from, you know, the, the fact that it's in our national discourse, because it's been such a pervasive problem for centuries. Um, you know, but at the very least, it's commonplace in such a way that when you say it, people know what you're talking about. And, you know, people know people that have gone through this or have, you know, experienced hostilities and that kind of stuff my kind of circumstances are pretty unique to me and I have not really seen that talked about much in the media or in the culture and so you know when people got to stay home for a little while and they uh were feeling the effects of the isolation and stuff I was like now you know how I've have felt in my life just the teeniest little bit of it at least so that you know, now that I'm vaccinated and all that stuff, I feel like, okay, now people kind of sort of know what it has been like to be me just a little bit. And so, again, I would hope that they would go into the world with a little bit more wisdom than they did prior to the lockdown. But as far as the actual, um, you know, lockdown process, it was perfectly fine for me because it kind of fit my prerequisite. And that's kind of what I was starting to get at when uh, talking about the differences between the United States and Canada. Because Canada is much, much, much colder than the United States on average, uh, most of the United States, um, you know, most of what, what what are Canada's big contributions on the world stage, you know, a lot of it has been very kind of interior in nature, like, you know, hockey is an indoor sport, uh, on the professional level, obviously, it, you know, kids play it on the frozen ponds and stuff uh, outside. But, like, you know, hockey is obviously indoors. All the inventions and stuff that have been attributed to Canadian scientists and stuff, that's all very indoors, very interior. Um, you know, a lot of just the the great contributions to the world have, by and large, not always, but have been largely very kind of indoors activities. And also the crimes and stuff, like I mentioned, with the domestic abuse and sexual abuse and that kind of stuff, um, those are very interior in their origin because it's so cold out, people go inside. So I think I would suspect, you know, again, I'm not Canadian, I don't know, but, like, I would suspect that that does give you more of a wherewithal and a more of a a prerequisite to when this kind of thing happens that you're ready for it. Um, I cannot say the same for like people that go out every night and people that are used to being very outdoorsy and very like sociable all the time um especially like you know in the south where I am where it's generally pretty damn hot this time of year and it's only going to get hotter um you know and I knew a lot of extroverts who were like wanting to rip their hair out from boredom or from like getting stir crazy and that kind of stuff and I was sort of laughing because I was like so these are the kinds of people who would you give me shit for not going out you know pre-pandemic times and so I was like I'm hoping that that kind of humbles them a bit um and lets them know kind of what it's been like for the rest of us but um you know so I think uh That's kind of those are all good bits of background information as far as like the national character and you know, personality types. For me, I was going through a lot of emotional turmoil unrelated to the pandemic, or you know, in its origin, it got you know, exacerbated by the pandemic, but it didn't originate because of it. So, what I did to kind of get through it, so you know, I had sold off a lot of my blu-ray collection to kind of keep me and my ex-fiancee afloat because of her bad decisions and then she tells me oh i don't want to get married anymore and kind of leaves me holding the bag in a lot of ways and leaves me with kind of a destroyed life in a lot of areas and so during that time i took it upon myself to really kind of build my blu-ray collection back up because it was one of the few things that really made me happy like and one of the few hobbies that i had which now i've i've slowed it down quite a bit because that was prior to having two cats and prior to having to think about someone other than myself um and also you just kind of reach a point where you're like you know again there are things that are more important than life and But at that time, I was like, I felt like a kid kind of needing to keep my, like, toys nearby, you know, just as, like, comfort, uh, because I felt like I'd had so much ripped away from me all of a sudden. And so I took it upon myself to kind of build my collection back up. And I did, you know, build it up quite a bit more, um, and built it up bigger, better, um, rejuvenated. So I started the YouTube channel to kind of take people on the road with me or or rather the youtube channel started up independently of me and i joined it um to kind of take people on the journey with me as i was building my collection back up and it was kind of partially vlogs uh partially showing off movies that i got uh partially just kind of a way to talk to people during that time and you know that kind of stuff um And also just try to vocalize a bit and kind of deal with my heartbreak, you know, without getting too specific. Um, And, uh, you know, so that kind of served its purpose for a while. And then I haven't made a new one of those in a long time, largely because my rate of collecting has slowed down quite a bit. uh, Because I've just had to be a more responsible adult, you know, as I like to say. Um, Instead of adult, you have to be a responsible adult, you know. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's a, there's a line from a Three Stooges short where the the Three Stooges are having to take take care of a baby and they're reading from a manual and they're saying that, you know, uh, that it that such and such such and such steps should be carried out by by an adult and then sh- Shemp. Uh, one of the students is like, if only we could find an adult. (laughs) And uh, so my brain immediately goes there whenever I think of that. And I was like, well, I got to be an adult. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so I've kind of my rate of collecting has slowed down quite a bit. But uh, and I've also sold off a lot of stuff um, that I didn't really need, Um, you know, but on the whole, it did kind of help get me into a better mental state because I, I wasn't having to be reminded of just how much I had sacrificed for someone that didn't ultimately appreciate what I had done for her, you know, and so I was able to kind of do a little taking care of myself, um, to try to undo some of that damage. So it served a purpose beyond just, it wasn't just greed or it wasn't just, uh, you know, frivolity or anything, it was me trying to repair my heart in a way. Um, and, you know, I'm still not happy with the fact that I sacrificed so much only to get nothing, and in fact, it less than nothing. Um, you know, that still makes me really angry whenever I think about it. But what it did tell me is, um, I guess the biblical expression is, don't cast your pearls before swine, you know, to kind of put your your effort and your energies towards people that are really going to uh, appreciate it. And, you uh, so you know that was another important lesson for me is just you know you can't you basically can't make people behave in a certain way uh, or to appreciate you can't there's not a, a single action or a series of actions that will make people kind of convert to your way of thinking or to doing you can't you know give in order to get anything from people you know and so that's made me a lot more wary of just who do I put my effort towards, and will they be worthy, you know?
1: Yeah, that's true. I I, I think that um, this coronavirus makes lots of change in people's life. And um, in my case, I used to do barbecue in my house very often. I used to go every weekend to to friend's house for barbecues. We always parties, you know, not as a, alone but as with kids and everybody and uh i always shopping i love shopping i'm sorry i have to say <laughs> i love go shopping and so for me to and plus my younger son was the one starting the school so i got my freedom and it was cut off my freedom <laughs> uh, so well do you, so do you, you like was, the
0: do you like the actual buying of things or do you like just getting out and about you know and looking at stuff
1: buying things uh, I have a big problem to um, go and um, buy stuff, and it's it's not basically buying for me. Normally, I go, I buy for my. Oh, wait, was one, one, one second? Okay, go. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> when house have have kids, it's like almost impossible to be alone. One second. Um, So I I I like to buy things, and most of the time I buy things for kids. I'm always in charge to make sure there's everything in the house, like furniture Mm -hmm. stuff. So, um, so I always go buying things for them. And for the first time, when he went to school, I was alone for um, for the last. My daughter's 16. Yeah, for 16 years, I always home, and basically I always have two kids young kids in the house and when my son was in school i was like wow now i'm gonna have time for myself maybe i go buy stuff for me now you know my hair my nails but then (laughs) coronavirus and i used and i went to for the first time i signed up for the gym and i'm like now i'm gonna see people i'm gonna go to the gym not just doing at home and it was shut up like Mm. i was so upset because I used to enjoy being three hours in the gym. I used to take all the classes I can, everything. And when that was over, I was like, everything hits me. Like I say, the loss of the loved ones in my life and stuff like that. So it was a big change for me. When you realize you could have this, it was taking away everything at once, one time, Mm -hmm. so it was hard, but now. Um this lockdown make me more um, busy because kids homeschool. I have to, you know, help them. And it's so hard, especially with my six years old, he doesn't want to be online at all. You know, and my eight years old, don't want to focus either. So it's stressed out to do that. Um, How's work? Constant. Uh, my kids change clothes every single day, so there is laundry every day, and we are six people in the house. Mm-hmm. I have a huge house, so it's lots of cleaning up. And since you mentioned that your mom love, you know, washing hands and stuff, when I have kids, I become a clean freak. So basically. Every time they come from outside, wash their hands. Uh, with coronavirus, change your clothes. Um, so I was beyond even more. Uh, I'm very organized freak, <laughs> Special, I, everything in my house have to have their own place, their own home, even yeah. tag, they have tags and name, even in the fridge. So with the coronavirus, make me more focused and do more organized, more cleaning more Mm -hmm. stuff uh and that's no good (laughs) that's no good because when i did think that now is my time i leave everything away no i come back i have to do something in the environment so it was not that good um but um other than that i'm trying to like i say it was those videos have that time my only time and it's hard like you see my son come he came here like 10 times already and I have to, my hands, I don't know if you could see, I'm like, go, get out. Um, it's hard when they're at home because constant. they need something, you mm-hmm. know, so it's, it's really hard. But, you know, um, the most important thing I do worry is when I go out. Um, people sometimes do not respect your space like today I went to the supermarket, Um, I love orchidias, orchids, flowers, orchids, yeah, yeah, I love them and I always go every week to try to buy one, I think I have like 12 in the house, but anyways, I went and people was too close to me, I don't want to be mean, I don't want to be rude, so I keep distance and they keep, the more you go forward, the more they come, you know, and that's so stressed out to the point that I have to turn and give them a look like buzz off, <laughs> you know, back out, you know. And I look like them and I look down to the floor to show them, look, look, it's Mark. So I don't have to say something. And uh, so, I mean, they still don't respect your space. And, and that's hard because even I don't have the shots yet. Okay. Uh, I okay. didn't take it the shots. And even if I take the shots, I still going to be afraid because I know the shots is not prevent you to catch the coronavirus. It's just to help you to have more immune system to fight against. My kids don't not going to have the shots because they're still little, right? Yeah,
0: they're probably too young. The the 16-year-old should be, uh, I think 16 is like the minimum age that they let them get it now.
1: Yeah, but I decide to don't give yet because they're still testing. They don't know what kind effects going to affect the kids. Yeah. So it's the same for me. I'm mm. afraid to take it and my body not going to react w- well with this vaccine. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting, take my time to all the scientists say, you know what? The death is zero. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you you're not you're not alone. You're not alone in that because I have people that I know who, they're not anti-vaxxers or anything, but they're just kind of wanting to allow for any kind of uh, side effects of the vaccine to kind of make themselves known, and then hopefully they would work that out before they would feel comfortable with getting it. And it's that's I'm sure even more of a concern if you're the kind of person that has had vaccines in the past, and maybe you haven't always reacted to them very well, um, which is, you know, I've known plenty of people for whom that's been the case. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's uh, that's its own thing. I mean, as long as you just, you know, you still believe that they work and that they're not trying to, you know, p- implant nanobots into you, which mm-hmm. is what the conspiracy theorists believe. Um,
1: you know, as long Absolutely. as that's the...
0: I as long as that's the case up. well it's uh, you know that's its own could do like a at least four hour discussion about that but um you know in all the various ways in which that is uh you know uh <laughs> you know bullshit but um anyway the uh i've known people that are in that similar situation where they want to just let this thing kind of become it's the best version of it you know i was kind of i wasn't really concerned about the vaccine for for me because i've always always handled any vaccine that i've ever gotten i've always handled it really really well and even the second uh, shot and the minimal symptoms i felt you know even those i was like i will take this any day over dying of the real thing um you know i will take that a million you know times but it uh Although then again, if I had taken it a million times, I probably wouldn't live. But point is, like, it wasn't wasn't bad. Um, and that's, like, the only bad reaction, you know, quote-unquote bad reaction that I've ever had to a vaccine. So I was like, yeah, I'm probability of this going well for me is very, very high. So I wasn't worried about it. Um, but, uh, I, you know, you're not alone in that regard. Um, I think, uh, you know, my... I think partially why we're trying to reopen things so much in the U.S. is because um, they've probably run the the numbers on it as far as like numbers of people that have been vaccinated relative to unvaccinated, relative to like the overall economic impact, the cost of remaining closed, and uh, of like you know if another outbreak were to happen, how big you know how big would the spike get? relative to all the people that have been vaccinated and they probably realized that they reached a point where if there was gonna be a spike it wouldn't be nearly enough to just you know for things to close back down again um because as much as you know not to give you know trump his due but like you know he wasn't wrong in so far as wanting things to reopen sooner rather than later i mean I don't, I don't think anybody was against that in principle it was just a matter of how to do it safely and how to do it um in a way that did not exacerbate deaths and stuff and i i was always of the opinion this would have been back in like a year ago last may i was always of the, of the opinion reopen thing sure but mandate that people have masks and, you know, wear gloves and do all the, you know, the, all the protocols, rules, right? which, which is eventually what happened. It just, the rollout of that was so much slower than I wanted and it was far less, uh, consistently enforced than I would have liked. You know, there were plenty of counties and towns and stuff that were just not taking it seriously. Um, and that, you know, pissed me off. And, but I was, you know, that's what I was of the opinion of. Yeah. Reopen it, but just, you know, mandate it to where people had to wear their masks, they had to do all this stuff. And I was of the opinion that you make the fines, you know, you, you like, slam people with, like, $50,000 fines or you throw them in jail for, you know, at least, like, a week or two or, or do something, you know, to where people would realize, you know, that we're not messing around. Um, and uh, so I was very much in favor of, like, stiff punishments for people that didn't comply, because you know this was a serious time and the punishments weren't as severe as that but like point being like i did feel like there was a middle ground that we could have achieved faster than we did um which again granted the restrictions did get put in place and places were allowed to reopen under those conditions and so we did eventually get there it was just that's kind of what i was in favor of at the time and uh you know and that seems to kind of still be where we're at even though businesses are reopening more fully now it's still not quite 100 percent. my hope is that if there is gonna be a resurgence of sorts my hope is that the spike will be pretty minimal relative to the other times that they tried to ease back restrictions and then the spike was huge and it was too big to go all the way back um you know so i'm hoping that uh whatever spike does come back, that it will be fairly minimal because of all the people that have been vaccinated. And then by that time, hopefully there'll be that booster. And then, you know, people who haven't already gotten it will feel better about getting it and all that good stuff. Um, But again, that's all in relation to, uh, hopefully they will have done the internal work on themselves uh, because that doesn't cost them anything. And doesn't require them to leave the house necessarily. Um, That's my big hope. I mean, I think for me, my kind of starting up the YouTube channel and stuff, all of that was uh, a way to try to deal with my um, own internal conflict and to try to uh, give me some way to vocalize what I was feeling and take an audience on a journey with me. And I never really cracked anything more than a couple hundred views like I the most views that I ever got was like in the 900 view range I was kept trying to I kept trying to track to crack a thousand but I don't think I ever did I haven't checked the numbers in a while but you know I did like talking about the movies and stuff it just I was doing it just recording myself on my phone I didn't really have a lot of professional equipment, uh, which is sad because I am a filmmaker, but it's like I didn't have anything. Um, my editing systems were, you know, I, was, I only had like four gigabytes of RAM on this computer. I've since upgraded it to 16s and it runs a whole lot better. Um, you know, but I have like Adobe Premiere and stuff. I just was not able to use it nearly as effectively because my RAM was so piss poor. Um, and so I try to just get things all done in one take, which actually is pretty good training because it's like if you can't really edit nearly as much as you want to be able to, it's like it does force you to uh, try to hold the audience's attention with your words and try to have as few mistakes as possible, keep the energy level up, kind of like live radio or live television or something. So it definitely is good training. Um But like because I've been thinking about like would I like to make another video and it's like if I were to do that I would like to do it in a different way and to actually introduce cuts and you know do other things with it that I wasn't doing before because I just didn't I wanted to crank them out and also because I just my ability to edit wasn't nearly as uh, much as it is now um so I've been thinking about that. I wouldn't mind doing like a complete Blu-ray collection, 2021 edition, uh, but doing it in a way that I could have a lot more flexibility, flexibility with my editing and my, um, you know, presentation and all that good stuff. Um, so I've been I've been thinking about that, but I've also been trying to write a lot. I've been trying to like, you know, think about what's the next thing I want to do in terms of. Making shorts and making films and stuff. And like, I actually had a meeting with someone today where he provided a lot of good guidance about, you know, because I've been trying to get this one short going. And he was like, you know, because I wanted to use it preferably as a springboard for a feature. And he was like, you know, make sure that you have the feature script written before you even talk about doing the proof of concept short because people will want to see it, you know, immediately upon seeing the short, surely. Um, And I thought that was all well and good, plus just, you know, you want to make it really good and make it, you know, to where it be professional. Because all the stuff that I've made has been, uh, I've had to make it on weekends and stuff because I work and I still, you know, work during the week and that kind of stuff. So that's still a reality for me. Unfortunately, I don't have gobs of money already to where I can dedicate 100% of my time to my passion. Um, but at the same time, there does have to, you know, come a point where it's like you make good on your passion and you, you make good with what you have and the time that you have and you, um, you know, devote yourself to it and with whatever time you have. So that's why I was like, well, I need to do something in the meantime that I can film during the time that I have while also writing scripts that I could possibly sell and, you know, make a little bit of money that way and, you know, hopefully get the next thing and the next thing going and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Plus, it's just been tough on me personally, because it's like, I always hoped that I would get my first feature film made by the time I was 30. And, you know, that was always like an artificial uh, clock and artificial deadline that I put on myself, perhaps undeservedly. Uh, because my heroes had made their films by the time that they were thirty. Um, admittedly, they're all kind of exceptions to the rule, which is the rule is that most people don't get to make films at all. Um, which I, I certainly, you know, I don't. Th- I think I've broken that rule as far as having contributed to feature films um, myself. You know, at this juncture, so it's like I have been. The films that I've made have been included in larger anthologies and stuff. So it's like in a way, you know, I've already met that goal. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, I've uh, been wanting to uh, try to just expand. You know, I've I, like, I went through the hibernation. I went through all the burning away of the chaff and all the soul searching and all the this, that, and the other things. So it's like, now I want to reemerge as the best, you know, version of myself and to not just fall back into the old patterns of self-sequestering and being like woe is me you know um because you know I want my life to be as good as it can be I want to have money I want to you know have a wonderful life I want to you know do what I love to do and I want to you know have all the things that people want out of this life you know and I do now have two cats um one of whom is down to just down there Nope, can't quite reach him um You know, I have two cats that kind of got, they showed up on my doorstep unexpectedly. And so, you know, it just proved to me that extraordinary, wonderful things can happen and that I shouldn't lose faith and shouldn't, you know, succumb to any kind of feelings of hopelessness, which is very tempting. Um, And I talked all about that in the last video, but um, so I won't rehash it here. Check out the last video for more information on that. But, um, you know, it just, that's uh, kind of in that same spirit of the person I was pre-COVID versus the person that I'm trying to be post-COVID and, you know, try to be the best version of myself.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's so interesting how, you know, um, things obligated us to change, to make some change in our lives. And we learn... With our mistakes, we learn with the hard times that we're going through. And uh, I think life is full of surprises, <laughs> ups and downs. That is unbelievable. But we do find that strength to keep moving forward. Yeah, right? yeah. And I'm so happy that uh, no matter what kind of hard times um, this corona came, before or after you already have a hard time in your life and you make through and you should feel so proud of yourself and you know Ash and um, I Erebus have Erebus so lucky to have a wonderful dad mm-hmm. that is so loving and caring and look at that shirt that's showing how much you love them you know I love them too Like. Thank you so much to share all the videos and the pictures of them. Like when they are little to now, it's so wonderful. And I can say that you're a great friend, um, you know, then. And I don't know you for a very long time, but this short time that I know you, um, you are very nice and kind and sweet. And I really hope in the bottom of my heart, you'd find a special person that's going to treat you the way you deserve it. Okay, yeah. and I'm I so shared. happy for you I agreed sh- to make those videos with me. I'm go- I'm calling the videos Let's Get Personal with Dan Kyle. <laughs> Episode one. This one number two, guys. So wait for number three and we're gonna keep going. <laughs> yeah.
0: I like that. Let's get personal. It's kinda like uh, kinda like Olivia Newton John's let's get physical, but more of like a talk show format, you know?
1: Yeah, that's right. I would love, honestly,
0: you know what, like my favorite talk shows, quote unquote talk shows, are more like the hard news kind of versions. So like, you know, I'm thinking of like the Diane Sawyers or like, um, you know, Charlie Rose, I guess, turned out to be a scumbag uh, thanks to Me Too. But like format wise, I liked his show possibly the best. Um, And I actually thought he was a pretty good interviewer too. Uh, he just, again, turned out to be a scumbag behind the scenes, but I liked the oh, format. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Larry King is no longer with us, um, but he also lived a very long life and he put in <laughs> more than his more than his years, you know, as far as like... But he, again, he had a good kind of format. I think he wasn't quite as hard-hitting as the other ones were, um, but, you know, it's like I. those are some of my favorite ones are the ones where they ask the tough questions, they get down and dirty, they, you know they try to arrive at a serious conclusion and that kind of stuff. And those are, you know, my dream would be to someday kind of, you know, well, a one of my many dreams, but like, I'm thinking of like, um, there's a, there was a show that William Shatner hosted, which I don't think necessarily lasted all that long, but he's not like known as an interviewer or a journalist or anything, but it was called Shatner's raw nerve and he got people of all different walks of life. And uh, it was like this S-shaped chair where, you know, he's sitting here, they're sitting there, and they can face each other.
1: (laughs) Um,
0: But like, he got to talk to them about all manners of things. And he did an interview with Weird Al Yankovic, who's a hero of mine. And um, he got to talking about Weird Al's most traumatic event in his life which was the sudden and unexpected death of his parents from carbon monoxide poisoning which was a very very traumatic event in his life. Um, and uh, you know but he got to talk to him about it and he was able to kind of share with him his own experiences of his his own father having died unexpectedly while he was working on Star Trek and just the emotions he went through and how he was, like, he, the the advice that he left him with was that, you know, if at some point, you know, the grief and the hurt and the pain does go away and the joy of having known them remains. And I thought, you know, because William Shatner doesn't always get the nicest things said about him from, like, a lot of the ex-Star Trek crew and that kind of stuff. But, like, that was an instance where I was, like, you know, good for you, William, for uh, for having I think done right by a good guy and Weird Al is I haven't heard one single bad thing said about Weird Al at all like he's kind of the out like so there's Harvey Weinstein on the one end of the spectrum and then there's Weird Al and Mr. Rogers on the other (laughs) end I have not heard one bad thing said about Weird Al ever (laughs) not one same with Mr. Rogers like they're like saints practically You
1: know. that's so funny that's two unbelievable. Of, two
0: of the few that <laughs> seem to be left <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's true yeah I I'm fan too of uh, all those uh, interviews and top shows and son is so funny and yeah they go really deep um we do gonna go deep when you we go into those personal yeah. <laughs> I
0: want to get 30 questions of the, yeah <laughs>
1: That should be you the know, next the one. People know. The people want to know. Yes, wanna they do. Know. Everybody want to know. You know what? I think people do like when you get personal. Yes. They like to know about people's life. You yes. know, And I think the most famous videos is those home videos that people. It's not so professional, but it's so natural and just tell the truth, the, the real truth, what it is. You know. Well,
0: well, and someone that I someone that i really admire precisely because of his own evolution as a person that you can actually track uh from his years on the air was actually howard stern because like when he first started you know he was like like first first started on the air in the various like smaller markets he was on he was very kind of shy very like not uh who he became and he eventually just took the gloves off and said i'm gonna be myself a hundred percent i'm gonna you know be raw and real and at that time the modus operandi was to be really shocking and really like out there and uh unfiltered in a way that you wouldn't be unfiltered today uh but like it kind of caused a stir in its time and then over time because he was married happily for a while and then that marriage failed and then you know and he said this in uh in the past that like he kind of went through his own kind of personal crisis and then he found another woman that he's still married to today and apparently it's like a really happy loving relationship and over time his own personal evolution became to where he was still very like frank and very like honest but like a lot of the uh some of what you could say were the ugliness of some of the early humor and some of the bravado and some of the, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, show off aspects of, of who he was. Cause he's subsequently gone back and said, I don't know who that guy is anymore. Uh, that he's, and I can you can see it in his conduct now that he's really grown and matured and really like seemed to have, uh, you know, gotten a lot of those demons out and, um, changed for the better which is great because a lot of people that I know they change for the worse you know they only get worse as they get older which is really sad but like for him it's like you know he seemed to have really kept a lot of the frankness and the honesty but just gotten rid of some of the the I guess you could say the meanness or the hatred or the this or or the you know distastefulness like the need for so much attention kind of at the expense of others you know that kind of stuff and to the point where if he has a celebrity on as he often does that they feel like it's a space where they can be truthful and he's actually gotten a lot of really heartfelt and kind of shocking, in a a different sense, you know, surprising, uh, revelations from people that wouldn't have done it otherwise, because they know that that environment is so honest, you know, and it's it's very much a warts and all kind of environment. And it's like, I would love to be able to foster that kind of environment in one in which, uh, you know, I wouldn't be accused of like, you know, being hateful or anything like that, but one in which we could speak the truth about our lives in a way that we didn't have to give like standard kind of PR firm answers you know we could just tell how we're feeling and then hope like in real and raw and honest and then hopefully through the process of it kind of work towards solving the problem whatever it is which is much like what a therapist does and um and actually Howard Stern has been really uh very much a pro- proponent of therapy and actually went many multiple days a week uh, despite his busy on-air schedule and that kind of stuff. And if you listen to a lot of his episodes uh, kind of in his later period, they definitely take on kind of a therapist couch feel. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said for that, you know, and truth and honesty, uh, they come with a lot of ugly parts to them. Uh, but is you know as if it's in the service of trying to kind of get towards a place of self-improvement I think it's all the all the better, you know
1: So Caio um, To 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 finish this video. I have an announcement to make Since we make the first video the first episode about your relationship past relationship breakup. Yeah, and the next video gonna be deep questions you're gonna have to answer and yes. you're gonna have two minutes yes to to express and answer those questions yes. so gonna be one after another all right so the people that gonna uh, listen the video watch the video first and based in everything that you say in there you're gonna have to answer those tough questions
0: all right <laughs> well and hopefully and gonna go uh, hopefully really deep <laughs> hopefully they're of a nature that they can warrant a two minute answer because uh <laughs> you yeah, know admittedly the structure of these first two have been rather just open forum kind of you know discussions but yeah i can I can do it in uh two minute segments
1: <laughs> yeah, and most of them gonna be you can say yes or no and why okay. Yes and no. And why? Yeah. Right. You're going to give the reason why you answer that question. And I'm going to have a timer (laughs) so you can see it. You know why I'm doing that way? Because is that when you feel pressure in those moments that you have to say it, you don't have that much time to just express. You're just going to say in that moment how you feel and that's the signification what you went through it. So like
0: knee-jerk reactions.
1: <laughs> yes, so that's what I want to see on that. And then every video that we're gonna do, we have the longer one, gonna be questions. So this about coronavirus, the environment of your life, how was changed, gonna have another questions about okay. you're gonna have to answer. Like I say yes and no and why. <laughs>
0: awesome
1: <laughs> you're gonna have to answer so um the next uh, chapter of the episode of the longer videos i want to talk about something about your childhood okay i want to know from the beginning and how was the relationship between your parents and you you at school uh friends at school to the point of your life what was left from your childhood to your life now all right so the next episode i want to talk about that because i feel that is so interesting um and i want to get to know um why use that way how you become um such a nice Sweet guy and so caring, I wanna understand that that's what you brought from your childhood, or you learned to be your own or your parents influenced you to that your family, so I wanna know I'm very curious <laughs> well,
0: it'll be a wild ride, I'm sure
1: <laughs> so i i I wanna go deep in your past
0: we're gonna do it
1: yes. So I hope everybody stay tuned because, like I say, this is Let's Get Personal with Dan Kyle. So going to be all about him, <laughs> less about me. It's all about Dan, okay, guys? It's not about me. And um, like I said, um, I'm so happy to you want to do this with me and you open it up, you know, your life with me. I'm very uh, blessed, <laughs> you know. Uh, I know it's not easy, it's very hard, um, you know, to do something like that and to be uh, be afraid to be judged, right? Because you don't know the audience you get and what people think, but who cares? You well, know? it's,
0: yeah, you know, they don't, all I control is the truth of my story and how people feel about it is up to them, you know?
1: Exactly. So I'm very happy you being yourself and you be so nice. Uh, thank you so much for participating, and thank you for taking the subject today, it was awesome, because Absolutely. It, it's in everybody's life, and you know, and and I recommend, who watching this video, if you have any question for Kyle, you know, please uh, write down below, you know, we can make a video about the questions, and he can answer for you, and don't forget to go check around his YouTube channel, Kyle, hit me, what um. you're doing, so people can... Go
0: through
1: ah, <laughs> uh, another I'm side, a, another side. It can be only one side.
0: <laughs> Woo! Trying to dub, bob and weave there. Um, yeah. You can find me on Indie Horror Film Creative, where I uploaded the Blu-ray videos I mentioned, uh, called Blu-ray Views. Uh, I've been on episodes of Septum Sin versus the World and Inside Movies Galore. Um, I had done a few commentary tracks with a channel that I started, No Money Film School, which I still need to uh, contribute to. Um, that was kind of a different effort of mine. Um, but I do want to kind of overhaul that stuff, so hopefully some new developments will be there in the future.
1: Yeah, that, that's great. So we'll be in touch so you guys know. And I'm going to put it below in the videos uh, for you guys to check around. And this video is going to go to the broadcast too. So you guys, you know, don't have no excuse. You can listen to him anywhere and you can watch it in in, vi- in YouTube videos, okay? So yeah. thanks for joining me, Skyo. Thank you so much. Hugs and kisses to the kitties. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. You know, and show one more time. Look how awesome his shirt. Look at that. That's so cool. I want one like that. It's so nice. So awesome. cute.
0: I'll send you the link <laughs> to that one into the mug that I yes, had made um, also. oh, this will these were fun as far as like just more kind of loose free form ones, but the other one will be a bit more like structured and more kind of laser focused.
1: Yes, that's why uh, we're gonna do like a resume too, and you can answer those questions that's you know. um, but thank you so much. Thanks for joining us, guys, and we see you guys in the next video. Bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: the side.